One chance, one life, one take. Little room for mistake. Who do you? Uh, welcome to the Dead Funny Dead Serious podcast. Uh, this is the series Thirty End of Life Doulas in Thirty Days. My name is Mitzi Weilen, and I'm your host for the series. Uh, today we have two end of life doulas. Uh, this is a mother and daughter, and um, we're going to welcome to the show Morningstar Holmes and Michaela Holmes. Welcome. Thank you. Happy. Hi, to be thank here. you. <laughs> uh, great to have you here. Um, we are going to jump in because there's a lot to learn because this is a unique situation, and I just love it so much. Uh, what you've been doing. So we're going to jump right in. Um, Michaela, if we start with you on your why, why did you become an end-of-life doula? Um, well, so I started with Transitional Wisdom two years ago, which was my mom, my mother's business. And um, we just circle around end-of-life. So we do, we work with pe- people in, who are aging or ill and their families to do um, healthy aging, intentional aging, and then graceful transitions. And so this with COVID, I felt like I was trapped at home. I needed more interaction. And I was like, I've always wanted to do an end of life certification or an end of life doula certification. So I did the one at the University of Vermont. And it, I I just loved the program. Like there, it was just like so thoughtful and sweet. And I learned a lot. And I love that there's such a wide range of what an end-of-life doula is, and it helped me kind of pr- frame what we do at Transitional Wisdom, which is in a lot of ways, we're holding space um, and teaching skills to the family members so that they can be front and center, so that they can show up powerfully for their loved one. And it's just, you know something that we can do for our clients, but the kind of magic of showing up for the whole family unit allows them to have more control of the process of what does the last, you know, 20, 10, five years of your life or, you know, 10 days of your life. And um, so the calling, you know, for getting certified was almost just kind of the cherry on the top, but being able to hold space for people through these processes and bring intentionality where, when their loved one has passed, they look back and they really don't feel regret. Like they feel sadness and um, they cherish those memories, but they were like, I really showed up at the best way that I could. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds a lot like you do a, some family education, which sounds really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw Morning Star, I saw you nodding um, for those that are, uh, not watching this, but are just listening. Um, if we add, so, where did you start, Morning Star? So, what's your why and why you became an electoral? Well, of course, it always starts with the personal story. But when my mom was diagnosed with dementia, I um, started being one of her caregivers, and I really learned what completing life with dignity was about through that process. And um, at the time, I've been an NLP trainer for, you know, over 30 years. And so I just used a lot of my own skills to help her dive deeper into the stories that she would retell. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the first part I started realizing her stories were about resolving things. 
And to have a good death is about resolving, you know, your life and your issues. And I've done training with Ira Bayak, and he taught me a lot about um, when you complete things, when you resolve things, you have an easier death. There's less fear and less pain. And so I worked with my mom for a couple of years, helping her go to the places she had never gone when she didn't have dementia. And she had the most loving death. And and it was even humorous. I mean, she was in my home and um, it was like two days before her death, she was taking a nap. She wakes up and she, and she has dementia. Remember, she looks around and says, am I dead yet? And then she started laughing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a way to lighten the mood and, uh, and to help us understand that dying is a transition. That's all it is. And how can we as family members support our loved ones to be able to have, you know, real peace at the end of their lives? So that's why I started, you know, developing my program so that family members can start looking at ways that they can support their loved one as they're aging, ill, or in those final stages. And when there's stress in a family, you, you're a family therapist, you know, all the stuff comes up, you know, all the old dysfunctional patterns that you did when you were a kid show up. So we created what we call an emotional estate plan, helping individuals and families go through the processes to help them go deeper into those issues and resolve them so that they can shift those dynamics. And what's left in the end is love. And um, when people go through our process, they can be present with their loved one when they're dying without fear, without, you know, bringing their own stuff into it because they've already been working on it. And a good example of that is when my I was a primary caregiver for my dad and Michaela spent eight months uh, sharing that care with me. And uh, my dad had a stroke, a massive stroke, and he had always said, if this happens to me, keep me home, keep me comfortable and let me go. <laughs> and so um, we were there with him for the last five days. He you know, was pretty much comatose. And um the I'm a I really encourage hospice. A good hospice is invaluable for people. And so our hospice uh, person came in and had a nice conversation with me for an hour. And uh, they had already said he'd probably live another week. And so right after she left, Michaela and I were in the room with them. And I said, Hey, Michaela, want to play Scrabble? You know, it might be entertaining for granddad. And she says, well, yeah, where do you want to do it? And I said, well, let's do it in here because that way he can hear us. And uh, she, she was just getting up to get the Scrabble board. And my dad raised his hand and he hadn't moved, you know, in days. So we, of course, jump up, each holding a hand. And my dad closed his mouth, smiled and didn't take another breath. And he had always said he wanted to say goodbye when he left, and that was his goodbye. So for me, being with people who are passing, it's almost like a portal, and it's so sacred. And that's one of the things that we do with our clients is help them understand how sacred it is so that you can support their, their leaving 
with love and, you know, uh, an open heart. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see you have a lot of hands-on experience through family. It sounds like, um, yeah. and you're speaking my language with the family systems and doing this work up front, right. With all the death anxiety and the old stories and the old uh, traumas that we have from death. And it is when we have stressors on ourselves, um, the old things that weren't resolved come up and you're giving them that space to start processing and start working through that uh, with you before, before the, the moments that we need to be present. That's amazing. So I heard a little bit uh, about both, about why and, and how you became this, or, and you were talking about Ira Bayek, um, who is, is an amazing writer and physician um, for end-of-life care. Is there anything else when, like how you became an end-of-life doula? I, it sounds like you created some, some products in there in this company. Any other great influences um, for you, Morningstar? Well, I've done a lot of my own work. I mean, my own personal work, and it's part of being able to clear away the old stuff so that you can really be present. And so I, um, I've done a lot of stuff with Jack Canfield. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he has been very supportive of my, you know, of my project. I've written a couple of books and, you know, he's been really a support for me in, in bringing them to life. But one of them is Transitional Wisdom, A Guide to Healthy Aging and Completing Life with Dignity. And part of healthy aging to me is about facing your death. Because if you can, it's like, today is a good day to die. And when people can be complete with their lives on every day, then every day is a gift. And so that's how I started really focusing on that family kind of thing. But I but I have to say, doing our personal work is the best thing that we can do for our loved ones. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah. And you even wrote a book. We'll put a link uh and that title in the in the show notes. So if anyone wants to find that, they can find that. Um, yeah, I have a second book as well, and that is uh, the Transitional Wisdom Action Journal, and it's got processes in it that help people like they can do it with their loved one, answering those questions, reviewing their lives, figuring out what they still want to do so that they can do what they're able and uh, be able to plan for their deaths. So part of it is around asking those questions. What do you want? How do you want? your end of life to be experienced by yourself and your loved ones. So anyway, that's part, we've wrapped it into the emotional estate plan Mm -hmm. to help people be prepared. The more I do it, the more I hear from, from clients that they're so surprised when they start bringing up those questions with their family members. And they were like, I assumed that they would think this and they thought something completely different or that they, I wanted something different. And it's just, it's really important to put that in the room. And it sounds like you're giving these great tools for bringing it in, um, in that way. So amazing. I think uh, I'll just add like a big part of our work and probably what found me here too, is like, like a, a deep belief and trust in kind of the human process of like, the arc of development in your life. And, and so 
where things always get, where we find like they get sticky is when things are not said. Like, just like you were mentioning, those assumptions that family members make, we're just not even having um, the comfort level with sitting, like asking those questions or sitting with the answers. And so one of the things that we do with families, it's really fun, is that we facilitate their, fam their collaborative family care plan. And it really centers the person who is aging or ill um, to talk about what's important to them and what they want. And it takes so much stress off of the family members, whether that's like biological family or chosen family, that it's like, oh, I can honor what they want. But like me guessing or trying to like be what they need me to be gets, it's just so much pressure. And so um, there's like, I think of myself as kind of a late bloomer and there's a million ways that I've gotten here, but it is around intentionality and just having the courage to have those conversations that are both really simple and really difficult to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, finding any tool and any, any people uh, like you two that are willing to kind of walk with people and share that experience, it seems to be, that's the gift, right? Is offering that to people because they don't know that you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know you need that until somebody is like, oh, um, here's this, this thing. And it will make your, your end of life easier and, and help your loved ones, right? And yeah, family of choice and family, anyone that's going to be around you, we're going to reduce some guilt. We're going to reduce some shame and reduce death trauma, which is ultimately the goal, right? Is within family systems is that's, that's my thing. You're going to hear it a lot in these podcasts because it's really what we're working towards is if we reduce one death trauma in one family, um, we win. Uh, I set my my goals really low um, every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so, I mean, it's, yeah. and it's a model. Like we found like, I mean, part of our mission is kind of to naturalize this process of aging and death in a culture that doesn't want to talk about it or see it, but it's like, we're all going to go through it. And so like, I mean, in, we're really focused on the family dynamic and there's a lot of, ways in which that works super well. And there's a lot of ways in which that can be really difficult for families, but just bringing children in like to the process brings so much and educates them about what's possible for death or is it something to be scared of? Or is it something to sit with, to think about, to be sad, but also recognize that that sadness is coming from like a deep sense of love and feelings of love that you can hold on to it. It's, I mean, one death, I think, is an amazing thing to strive for, but it's like just the witness of a good death triggers the possibility of however many good deaths. Um, yeah. I think a lot of this movement, that's what it's about, is just kind of um, a proof of concept that a lot of people do know, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. yeah. To piggyback on that, when my mother died, my siblings were there with their spouses and their kids, and all their kids were teenagers. And my nephew, who at the time was 16 or 17, came up to me after my mom died, and he just said, you know, thank you for having this here. He says, I was scared. I didn't know what to expect. And he said, being here when she died really made me realize there's nothing to be afraid of. And that's when I realized that working with the entire family can shift 
people's beliefs about what the dying experience is. And it can shift intergenerationally. My nephew will not be afraid. He'll teach his kids, you know, as they lose their grandparents, that there's nothing to be afraid of. So definitely systemically, it it will just continue, right? Every time we have yeah. a healing um, in that family system around death trauma and death anxiety, it just, um, it will expand. Uh, so whew, I love this work so much. Um, because we do have two people uh, here today, we are going to make this a two-part episode and keep keep you on the edge of your seats uh, for the next episode. So uh, stay tuned for part two, uh, where we're going to discuss the challenges and hopes of uh, these two lovely people, Morningstar and Michaela Holmes. So thank you for this part. Um, again, all the information about Michaela and Morningstar are going to be in the show notes. If you're listening to this podcast and it is helping in some way, it would mean the world to us if you subscribe or like or leave a review or any one of those things, because uh, it tells us to make more content like this. Then after you do one of those things, hop on over to Instagram and TikTok and tell us about you and and uh, what you want us to answer. Uh, that's all for this episode. Uh, we will see you in the next episode. Bye.